The holidays always find a way to bring family together. Whether it's watching the game, baking cookies, holiday shopping, wrapping presents, or gathering around to listen to our favorite holiday music. It's all made more magical with an ice cold Coke. Coca-Cola pairs perfectly with every holiday get-together. The office holiday party, your first time having dinner with the in-laws, or that small reunion because everyone's back in town for the holidays. Nothing says welcome home like Coca-Cola. Enjoy the real magic of the season by surrounding yourself with good friends and family, delicious food, and of course, an ice cold Coke. All right, welcome back. We are live, Rants and Gems. Happy hump day to everybody. This is Matt Garland, NMLS number 58700, better known as MG the Mortgage Guy. And I am Kiana Watson, license number 317576, broker extraordinaire. And today is going to be a really awesome day, right, Matt? Look, today has been a hell of a day. This has been a hell of a week, first of all, right? Shout out to all of you guys out here in YouTube world. Make sure you guys like, comment, share, subscribe. Share this with 10 people. Maybe, matter of fact, share it with 20 people, all right? This is going to be an incredible episode. It's been a busy week. Busy week. Inflation reports. Fez Reds raised the rates again today. So we're going to have an incredible conversation. Um, we have an economist on today. We're going to bring her on in, in a little while. But first of all, Kiana, how the hell are you doing? You're looking I'm very, looking very sunshine right now. I you know, I'm liking this bright yellow with the glasses on. You know, you dripping responsibly as always. Always. Um, I'm doing really good. You know, navigating the end of the year, wrapping up a few things, wrapping up my office, build out. You know, we just did went live last night with Bria and promoted the book Clear to Close. Um, we have. You know, clear to close, broker my blueprint for success. <laughs> so the book is for sale. If you guys ever wanted to know more about it, go to her page and watch that interview. And, um, you know, get ready for my last closing. I got my last closing of the year taking place tomorrow. And I'm, you know, I'm ready to shut it down for a little bit and yeah. um, refresh myself you. for 2023. Look, the year's almost over. I'm over it. Make sure you guys go pick up both of these books from Clear to Close. And house hackonomics. Make sure y'all y'all know what to do. Go support the books. We're giving y'all high level education at a in, in book format as well. But I'm ready for the year to be over and I am ready for twenty twenty three. I think the housing market is gonna go through a lot in twenty twenty three. But first, let's talk about what happened this week. Um, first, let's let's talk to our good partners at Zillow. Thank you, Ty and the whole Zillow team. Um, for sponsoring tonight's episode. Um, so let me read the script real quick. Ever catch yourself browsing Zillow at 3 a.m.? Same. It's too easy. You know what else is easy? Getting a new home on Zillow. With Zillow, you can take a closer look at homes on the market with thousands of listings that have virtual tours, interactive floor plans, compare your favorite home side by side to see which one has the features you want, request a tour with a local agent to get on the ground insights about the neighborhood you like, or learn about the financing options and connect with the lender to apply for a pre-qualification. Also, people don't know that Zillow has a mortgage company, so check Zillow Mortgage Company out as well. So when you find the home that you like, you'll be ready to go ahead and make an offer. So make sure you guys go to Zillow.com for more information. And again, shout out to Zillow for sponsoring uh, this tonight's episode. And we're bringing on, let me say that again. Um, we're going to bring on a special guest today. She's actually yes. the chief economist at yes. Zillow. 
All right. And with today, the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates by another half a point, and it signaled plans to keep raising them more in 2023. This is capping off one of the most aggressive years in essential bank's history and marking a new phase in its fight against inflation. So we thought, why not bring on, scroll up, folks, why not bring on Dr. Skylar Olson from Zillow to help us break down everything that's been happening with the housing market, the Fed funds rates, inflation, the whole nine yards. So, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Skylar Olson, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time tonight. We really appreciate you. And I want to start this off. Let's get right into the meat and the potatoes. The, the Fed's sure. raised it by another half a point. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're saying that they're going to continue to raise in 2023. Yeah. But their target is around 5, 5.1%. So that means they got about another three quarters of a point to raise mm -hmm. up in 2023. Do you mm -hmm. think they're going to stick to that schedule of only raising up to 5.1? Or do you think it can get higher, like 5.5 to 5.75, just depending on what happens with inflation? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think it always will come back to what is happening with inflation. You know, something that I really love about, well, okay, there's, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenging time right now. But, you know, when the FOMC meeting happens, when Chair Powell starts, you know, talking about what he sees and the decisions that the Fed is making and how they're making those decisions, you know, it feels a little bit like all of us gathering together and have economics therapy, you know, uh, you know, every other month. And I think this last time, you know, the way that I would high level describe it is to say, you know, he told us there was good news inflation came down we've got some early signals that we've act we could have this under control you know this could continue with inflation being much more mild in the months ahead but there's still of course room for concern and we're going to keep being careful and they're going to keep watching these numbers and if they don't remain down um then yeah i mean everything is possible and this environment has been so volatile that you know, nothing is guaranteed and there's big uncertainty out in the world, but I am starting to increase my confidence that, yeah, I think they can stick to the plan and them coming down, going a little bit easier on us this time, only 50 basis points hike to the Fed funds rate, as opposed to the last three times when we were looking at 75 basis points. I mean, that pushed us mortgage rates up above 7%. That was really dramatic, you know, in anticipation of them going a little bit easier on us. We've got mortgage rates that have come down to 6.3 and some of those early numbers, which will, you know, a little bit maybe too early to tell because things are, you know, do bop around a lot, you know, after the Fed funds meeting. But there's a bit of room for, you know, mortgage rates to maybe come down a little bit more than that. So maybe kind of approaching 6 percent. That's a big relief after going <laughs> above seven, you know, absolutely. To so, you know, I'm, I do feel optimistic and it's not just those headliner inflation numbers. You know, at Zillow, we track the leading edge, you know, market rate rents using how listings are changing on individual listings, you know, that we have on Zillow mm -hmm. and those show shelter costs keep coming down. Um, so even though those, you know, the shelter portion of those headline metrics, you know, CPI, consumer price index, those things have continued to show momentum and have only recently started to kind of flatten out our numbers with the market rate rent have already come down fairly close to zero 
you know? So that's a good sign. I think it should continue. Knock on wood everywhere all the time, but, um, but I'm, I feel good. So from your perspective, you, you feel good that we're going to start leveling out. We're going to see interest rates go down. Are there a few, um, what type of hiccups do you find in certain cities, like the major metro cities? Um, do you feel like that our housing markets are going to crash? Yeah, I think crash is a strong word. Honestly, unless crash is probably a strong word everywhere. Um, because crash would kind of imply to me that you erase a lot of what we've done over the past two and a half years in terms of this incredible, incredible home equity growth, right? I don't think we'll erase much of that. But there are pandemic darling markets. Think like just reverse the headlines that you saw in 2021, right? The places like Boise, Austin, Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, these are areas where prices are falling, you know, more significantly. Will it erase, you know, that massive increase of home equity? No. And in, in the whole scheme of things, you know, what we saw increase, like that's it in, in relative terms, much more mild, but that will be more significant. It'll be noticeable. On a national scale, home prices are, you know, according to our numbers, just kind of more or less flatlining at this point. We do have some negative month over months for sure. Um, but I think, you know, because we see homeowners pull back too. you know, if buyers were the only ones affected by, by high interest rates, then sure, prices come down, but they're not, right? Homeowners also pull back. They also feel locked in. One of the ways to yep. think about it is who's the more sensitive at the fact that mortgage rates are at 6.3, the people holding on to two and a half, you know, or even the people holding on to three, right? So homeowners have pulled back. That stabilizes prices um, because new listings are just not coming under the market. Yeah, no, I agree with that, right? And I, and this is what we, me and Kiana, always preach to our audience is that it's supply and demand. It's very simple. Yeah. The markets can't crash unless there's an influx of supply that's going to hit the market. Yeah. And we, we're not seeing it from yeah. traditional means like foreclosures hitting the market. No. You know, defaults no, are at an all-time low right now. And although yeah. they have uh, upticked, over the past couple of weeks, it's still not a significant amount of foreclosures that could potentially hit the market yeah. to help the supply chain when it comes to housing. And now with these high interest rates, well, there's no reason for a seller to sell. If you got below 4% and you don't <laughs> have to sell, oh, Lord. then why am I putting my, my house God, on the market? This man trying to take me out of business. Yeah. This man well, trying and... to put me out of business. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> Let me tighten okay, well, and, I, I knew I needed to come here with my glasses on today. Let me start here. <laughs> All right. Well, and, I can wait, tell you right now, you. Matt, you are right. You're right. I do feel like um, we see it. We're seeing the choke happen. And, and what I was thinking about is those sellers that were ready to upgrade. Now with these new interest rates, they're, they're looking to renovate. And like, I'll just stay where I'm at and wait things out. And then I think the only people at this point that are still making a conscious and intentional effort to you know participate in the housing market are our first-time buyers people that don't own already and know that they believe in the power of home ownership but i'm seeing a drop down in those people that are moving up those second-time buyers um and i would love to hear your your thoughts on that skylar um from from the data standpoint with zillow what are you guys finding on the market yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we, you know, do all sorts of surveys and honestly, you know, 
2021 and early parts of 2022, that was not a very good time for the first time home buyers, right? In some ways they were crowded out by your second home purchasers and, you know, mom and pop landlords and, you know, it makes the headlines, you know, institutional buyers and things like that. A lot of that demand has fallen back. So who's pushing through? The ones that have, as you're saying, right? The fundamental demand, major life events, you know, like we will try and delay getting married if you can't afford it yet or we'll maybe delay having kids, you know, but you can only delay it so much, you know, divorces still happen, you know, all these things that kind of precipitate moves, you know, these big moves. So we're seeing the share of first time buyers in our surveys come back to where they were, you know, sure. in early days of the pandemic and then pre-pandemic. So it is the first time buyers who are driving the market again. And that makes a lot of sense if you think about, you know, they've been chased by rents too. And that's yeah. as the economist, right? I'm always all about, if you ask me, is now a good time to buy? I will always say, what else are you going to do, right? So yes, interest rates are higher, but rents are higher too. Yes, home values are expected to be soft and in some places fall. But, you know, we also have signals that we could be approaching what knock on wood is, you know, might be a soft landing, kind of mild recession. Um, but that's also a period of time where we don't expect stock markets to do very good. You know, when we think about what you do, with your money, you have to think about all those alternatives. And for the first time home buyer, it can still make sense, you know, to move forward. I think you're absolutely right. It's the repeat buyers, the move uppers in particular, that are really yeah. gonna struggle. Move down, you know, maybe that's why we still see Florida home values, certain Florida markets, you know, continuing to see positive home price appreciation. You know, my joke is a little bit that, okay, so let me put it this way, and I know I'm gonna get a little bit wonky here, but you know, we'll do a dot plot to look at correlations, you know, so what is the correlation between affordability and current home price declines? And what we see is that the places that got really unaffordable are where we see prices decline the fastest. Same thing with like, where did prices really, really outpace rent, outpace rents? That's where we see the home price declines the fastest. But that correlation is much tighter and makes a lot more sense if I throw Florida out. So what's happening in Florida? Like, why is Florida this exception to the rule? It's because that's a big, you know, place where people go to retire, where they're liquidating kind of larger homes and they're moving down with cash. They're avoiding the interest rate pressure right now, right? And moving to Florida markets. So in many ways, it does still, you know, make sense, right? And I think that's that's what's going on. Yeah, Miami is up 25% year over year. Um, and you, you go in Miami, you just see nothing but cranes everywhere. Everywhere. Right, everywhere. everywhere. And and there's like, I, I can't remember the other markets, but I know there's like three or four other markets in Florida that's all over 20% this year. It's absolutely insane. Um, yeah. when, you, when you really think about how expensive, you know, South Florida has has gotten over the past couple of years. Now, do you think, Doc, that like South Florida is on the clock? Do you think we're going to see a major correction happening there? Yeah. So, okay. So I'm a data freak. So even as you're talking, I, you know, pull up my numbers here and some of the other places. I love it. We love numbers here. I love it. We, yeah, I got it right here. I got it. So, okay. Year over year, you're right. Miami, Florida is at the top. And then coming after that, you've got Cape Coral, Northport, Winston, Oh no, that's North Carolina, stick to Florida. Miami, Cape Coral, Northport, Deltona, Tampa, you know, Orlando, that's how it ranks down. Now I'm gonna look at quarter over quarters. You know, sm smaller metros like your Cape uh, Coral, that has negative quarter order, 
excuse me, quarter over quarter appreciation. Um, you've got, I think it's like the smaller East Coast or excuse me, West Coast side Florida markets that look like they're slowing down a little bit more. I think a lot of the booming markets could see, you know, a, a correction. Um, but I, you know, because those homeowners are pulling back and it's so much about the supply side of the equation as well, you know, that a lot of these also comes down to where we're able to build, you know, and uh -huh. there are a lot of units under construction and that can start filtering down even into the existing market, um, you know, after after a little bit here, right, as we move forward. God, I just got to tell you, that was really for, for Matt's personal game. <laughs> okay. He is, okay. Let me tell you, he is a snow bunny. He is cheap. And he has been waiting to see something happen in that market so he could get his second home. So All right. I'll scan. I'll scan for you real quick, okay? Yeah, I'll scan I'm looking. for you. Raleigh, North Carolina, I already mentioned. Home prices, you know, quarter over quarter down almost 4% in Raleigh. Is that sunny enough or is that still a little cold? It's so, kind of mountainous. I, so let me tell you, Scott. I love North Carolina. I went to school okay. in Durham, North Carolina, which is basically okay. next door to Raleigh. Sure. So when, sure. I, I just want for clarification purposes for the audience, right? When when they hear people like yourself say it's quarter over quarter is down four percent, sure. right? Yeah, is it still appreciated? Raleigh has Raleigh still appreciated in twenty twenty two, or has Absolutely. Raleigh seen negative equity? Yeah, no, no, no. So and that, thank you. Yeah, great. Because if I quarter over quarter down four percent, but that's after a booming period of home price growth. So in terms of year over year, that's still above 9% growth, right? In other mm -hmm. words, when we talk about places right now where home prices are falling, your home equity is not really that much of risk, you know, in, in the sense, unless you just so like very recently bought, that's how much home equity grew over 2022, 2021, and actually, the markets that were the hottest over the course of the pandemic were mostly hot before the pandemic as well. So what that tells me is that, you know, we're going through a cycle here, but those markets have good legs, right? And they turn around and recover very quickly from a lot of that fundamental demand that we were talking about, because still kind of on net, right? We're over the long run underbuilt. Right. So housing in general, I think, you know, in terms of home equity appreciation, we will go softer the next year. And a lot of places we will go negative, you know, but mm -hmm. I think the turnaround comes in late 2023, 2024. You know, it, it, it blows my mind when I hear like because the news, uh, you know, the news got to do be the news. Right. They got to put the fear out there. Absolutely. And when, when when they put the headlines out there, it's down four percent or down five percent. And in a little small writing, you'll see somewhere buried in the article, well, it's still appreciated 10%. On a right. normal year, 10% equity in real estate is like right. a, a unicorn year. It's just so crazy to me that now, right. like, the way 2020 is, is like, it's crazy where people are looking at this as a down market because it's mm -hmm. not appreciated 20% like it did last year. Well, it's only appreciated 10%, so it's down. And home yeah. prices are crazy. <laughs> like, it's still up. Like, in yeah. a normal market, we will be saying, holy smokes, real estate yeah. in Raleigh appreciated 9% this year. That's incredible. 
right? Yeah, right. absolutely. Well, and there's a there's there's more kind of like let's reset what we think is normal, right? Pre-pandemic, a uh, home on you know the nat you know on on average nationally would spend a month from listing to pending, right? You had to kind of find the right buyer. You know, there there wouldn't be five, six, seven bids for every home like there were during the pandemic when nationally homes sold in just a week, right? Listening to pending seven days. So now our national numbers are up to 22 and that's twice as much, like twice as long as November last year. So I think maybe more recent sellers have last year in mind and they're thinking, oh, housing markets are moving so slowly. Oh, it's such a you know bad time for sellers. But if you put it in context to 2018, 2019, it's actually still faster, right? It's still much faster. So when we're in these turning points, you know, agents and other people who are the professionals in this market, I think that's the challenge of what you're doing is how do I communicate what normal is when and I think normal is changing. That's also fast, a challenge you know? for us. You know, communicating what the normal is in comparison to having such a hike when it came to the housing prices, the demand, and also appreciation costs. So when, if someone is right now looking to purchase a home, do you know what cities are going to soften? Or do you have a report on saying, well, these cities may soften, but, you know, pick back up? And these cities will definitely go a little negative. And the reason I ask that is when you're looking at a softening market, most people stay in their home an average of seven years. So if it softens in one year, that doesn't mean you have a bad investment because you have six more years for the property to go back up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, some of the markets that we kind of mentioned, I mean, I threw out places like the Boise, Boise's, the Raleigh's, you know, think honestly really do just the real booming markets, the home price declines, you know, will be more significant, but the, those are the same markets, as I said, that were growing, growing faster before the pandemic. So they're also likely to turn around again sooner than others. And I think that is kind of how, you know, you know, when we're thinking about, is it a good time to buy, right? And move forward with this, right? When you are, I often ask, the first thing I ask is how long do you want to stay? Mm. And to make Correct. home buying a very like solid and wise financial decision, it is about setting down roots in this home and in this community and staying for an extended period of time. And you catch the home equity coming up the other side. And I think for the fundamental buyer who's still thinking that way, you know, right now has some silver linings in that it is so much less competitive than it was last year. Yes, you can't access a 3% interest rate. I don't think you will be able to access a 3% interest rate again, unless something really bad happens, you know, and it's hard to like wish for a really bad recession so that we get back down to 3% interest rate, right? Because really bad recessions mean you're at risk of job loss or other things. So I don't think the buyer can sit there and have all the things they want, you know, low interest rates, home prices falling, you know, really confident future. Like these things, you're not going to have those three things, right? You're going to have, if, if interest rates come back down very significantly, that competition is going to come right back. And that's what we saw in August when we had a break, you know, and Right before August, you know, in, in July, interest rates had gotten up to, what was it, like 5.8%. Yep. And then right. in August, 
dropped down just below 5%. And we saw, you know, that demand come back up. It was ready to meet it. It was ready to grab those homes, right? Then we saw interest rates go all the way up to, you know, close to seven and a half. And that really froze demand. But now we're back down to 6.3. So these breaks that we get in mortgage rates, you know, remind people that this, you know, what is the opportunity to move forward? And, you know, I think some people might be waiting for interest rates to continue to go down. But I get worried with, you know, low new listings coming on the market. It is so important to make that good match between the property and yourself so that you are willing to stay. And to me, that means you're watching the new listings as they come in and, you know, you're capitalizing on that good match when you see it come across. And you can refinance to a lower rate, but again, it's about the match into the home that you want to stay in for a you know extended period of time, seven years, ten years, in order to catch it on the other side. And like we said, if we have recession risk coming towards us, that's not a you know that's not a good stock market year either, right? So you know, in terms of your trade-offs, you know, I I don't know that this. You know, in general, I hate answering like, is it a good time to buy in general for like all people? Because it is such a personal thing. And it really, I think, comes down to, well, are you looking to put down roots? Because, you know, then it might not. It's it's still probably a good thing if you find the right home. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree 1000 percent of what you just said. I think too many people are looking at short term cycles and right. and that's stop them from making a decision. I remember when the, when the pandemic came around and rates dropped, there, there were folks out there saying, oh, I'm going to wait till the rates drop to 1.5%. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell are you doing? Why in God's green earth would you wait for 1.5% because you were, you were not happy with the price of the homes and it only doubled up the next year and people still yeah. was on the fence. Now you got the people who are just waiting for a crash to happen, which... Like I, we tell people all the time, I don't foresee a crash happening at all in real estate. Normal pre- over the past sixty years, homes have appreciated on average four and a half percent nationally, right? That's normal appreciation. Some markets better, some markets worse, just depending on where you are. But what we've seen over the past two years, even this year, is not normal for real estate. It's just not it's normal. Not. So, so well. if you're looking to buy a primary residence, you should not be thinking about a year or two. You should always be thinking seven to 10 years because that's the place you want to live and put down your roots and raise your family. Absolutely. I think in so many ways, like if you bought in, you know, late 2020 interest rates were so low. And, you know, then after that home prices grew like crazy. I mean, that was kind of like winning the lottery, right? But buying a home, investing in real estate should probably never have been like winning the lottery, right? It's supposed to be this long run, stabilizing financial decision, right? To get control of your monthly cost, you fix that mortgage payment, and then your home equity grows steadily, you know, over time. And that's that's what this investment has classically been. This, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> this was not normal. My joke is that the pandemic, when we look at what happened, you know, home price appreciation, this is breaking the y-axis. I mean, this is wild, you know, watching watching the numbers on these. Have things. you ever seen anything like this in your career? No. Right. Mm-mm. No, I've been I've been studying housing for 12 years, but that involves looking back and no, no. Can I ask a good question? Since you've been with Zillow for so long, of course, we looked you up. 
you know, what is the biggest difference? And we always have to educate our audience. So I'm yeah. glad that we have an economist here to do that for us about the difference between this market right now and the market, the real estate market crash that happened prior. What are the oh biggest differentiating yeah. factors of that? And let's educate our audience on why it's not the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay. Leading into the last bubble, honestly, what we had was egregious criminal credit, right? In so many ways, it was, you know, fraudulent ratings on mortgage-backed securities that drove a lot of lenders to give out loans that should have never happened. And not only did that happen, you know, just in the existing housing market, but that led to an incredible building boom in the for sale market. So we had a buildup of inventory like crazy, right? Okay, so then we hit the global financial crisis and job loss happened, and we had foreclosures widespread, distressed sales because we had so many people who had no doc loans, like the the standards for getting a mortgage back then were so different than what they are today after Dodd-Frank, after a lot of legislation was passed to make it so that that wouldn't, that would, that would not happen again. Right? right. So leading up into this crisis, what it took to get a mortgage was a lot. You know, you had to be fully documented in your income. You had to have a high credit score. So people who recently bought a home are much more likely to be financially solid. So not only do we not expect as severe a recession, but even if we did, you wouldn't have as many distressed sales. You wouldn't have as many foreclosures or anything like that. And, you know, now we talk a lot about the buildings that are under construction and the building boom that happened over the course of the pandemic. But the number mm -hmm. of units that are currently under construction in the single family market are still nothing to what we had last time in that building boom in 2008. So on almost like every measurable level, this is nothing like then. This is nothing like then. Then it was about distressed sellers. Today, it's about discouraged buyers. So how do mm. discouraged buyers come back to the market? Prices fall and you, know, you become less discouraged or mortgage rates start moderating again and you're less discouraged. You get a little bit more time because incomes are increasing and you're more, you, know, you have more capacity. I mean, this is something that we will get through with so much less distress sales, so much less trauma than last time, almost across the board. So, so nothing like it. 1,000% okay. agree with everything you just said. Back and in I'm the glad day, you shared that. Back yeah. in the day, all you needed was a post to get a loan. Yeah. Now you got to give your first bond to get a loan. Plus, it's plus, a completely yeah. different situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, yeah, very, just so, 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 so different. Absolutely. So different. Now, nah, great question. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so when we're looking at the state of our current real estate market and we're leading into, we're close to the end of the year. We know that the rates are fluctuating up. You know, what advice would you give for to, to buyers right now? Like from your standpoint, what should they do to secure housing right now? When we're we're about to see a lot of people become housing insecure. If you continue to think about the rising price of rent and the rising price of homes throughout throughout the throughout the nation. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I think. You know, something there's something that's really important to understand about mortgage rate 
volatility, right? And I think the way that maybe we see it in the headlines is it's about like day to day or week to week mortgage rates going up and down and up and down. But the way that you experience, and you experience that too as a consumer. So definitely form great relationships with lenders that you trust or agents that can connect you to lenders that they trust, you know, make sure you're working with good partners that can alert you about opportunities because day to day, week to week, things do change a lot. And, you know, if you're have a challenge to qualify, you know, things can change very quickly, you know, the following week or the following month, if rates do drop, but even within a day or even within a moment, right. Volatility presents itself in a lot of different ways. So for example, right now, the spread between the most credit worthy buyers and the least credit worthy buyers is like bigger than it's ever been. And I think a lot of what that reflects too, is that if you go to one lender or a different lender, you're going to receive very different rates because things move a lot. Like just, so Zillow has the, you know, Zillow home loans or in-house lender. And I'm an economist, of course. So I'm on their subscription feed. You know, this team sends out an email about mortgage pricing, you know, oh, bonds did this, this happened. You know, our mortgage prices are changing. This is what's going on. And before, you know, you would receive an email once a month or, you know, well, maybe that's too long apart, but like once a week. These days, you, I get that email, you know, once a day, if not yes. multiple times <laughs> a day. Right? That, that is how much things are changing. So it really is about shopping around. We have this one survey that shows that people spend more time shopping for their appliances than they do shopping for their mortgage. Wow. And I think it, take some bravery, right? A lot of mortgage lenders, you know, it's the hard sell and they're talking to you about a very complicated world that you might not understand. And so if I had a way to infuse you with empowerment, you know, I would, right? But like feel empowered to like say, yes, thank you. Very good numbers. I'm going to call around. Great. And then call around, you know, like keep searching, keep Keep looking, you know, mortgage um, tape, you know, um, you know, mortgage marketplaces online. Zillow has one. And then before you explore those, get a good feeling about what you can't afford. You know, mortgage rate calculators. Zillow has one, you know, in order to get like, what is the price point that I should be looking at or could be looking at depending on what rates do do, you know, because that's the other thing. If you're in a volatile mortgage rate environment and things are changing very quickly and when things are kind of pushing affordability for you you might have to make trade-offs right that maybe you didn't have to make before in order to achieve your goals um, and that means be willing to consider more things right mm -hmm. um most of the time we don't move very far we're very loyal to our regions you know like when we look at search patterns people in la look at riverside when they need affordability and maybe they go to you know phoenix and people in seattle look in spokane and you know now these days like maybe boise you know and if i'm looking at an expensive market you know on the east coast in boston maybe i'm you know jumping down to phil or up to philly right so we don't tend to go too far but you know, the more that you can expand your options, the more you'll notice can be feasible for you. You know, I have got some, uh, I've got a lot of siblings-in-law in Orange County, California, and I'm a housing economist. So I explain as often as I can that if they were willing to expand where they wanted to live, 
you know, if they were willing to expand, you know, and move further away to the Phoenixes or, you know, you know, maybe even further, what they can achieve in life in terms of what their home would look like, what their life would look like, you know, can change. So sometimes leaning into the tools that help you explore a lot more things um, can be can be really helpful. And if you're going to stay in an expensive market, because I totally understand, like staying near family, I've got small kids. And if I had parents around like, oh, my God, it would be amazing, you know, and so I totally get it. Um, but if you're going to do that and you're in an expensive area, you might have to, yeah, explore smaller, explore a longer commute hopefully you don't have to go into the office every day anymore you know maybe just two days a week um but when things get unaffordable you know maybe it's also about exploring kind of more options um but search a lot you know for uh that mortgage you know and keep searching make sure you're working with a great agent and partner that can help you figure out housing right now because things are really wild and i'd actually love to hear you know what are your experiences with you know because we look at the data and we see you know there are homes that are lingering 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 on the market and there are other homes that still sell fast um so i think you know in terms of knowing that might take a local expert even more than it ever did yeah 100 percent agreed homes are still selling you know, there was something I read the other day that homes are 99.1% of homes are still selling at less price right now. Right. Yeah. Um, so homes are still sellers are getting what they want. You know, it's just the when you see the price cuts and Kiana explains this all the time, it's because those people were still living in 2021 to a certain extent. Festivals, football, flannels. Some say fall is their favorite time of year. And this fall, there are now updated COVID-19 booster shots designed to help protect against COVID-19 variants. If you've had your primary series, schedule an updated COVID-19 booster shot appointment as soon as you're eligible. And don't forget to enjoy the foliage. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. Or early 2022, and now they're starting to come back down to reality of where it should be. But, you know, what I like about today's market, like you said, there's less competition. And now the sellers that are willing to sell are given concessions. They're yeah. really now they want their house. They they need to sell. So now they're willing to give you what you, you couldn't get a year ago. You know, they're Absolutely. paying closing costs. They're doing rate buy downs. They're doing whatever it takes. to. And even you see the builders are now being even more aggressive Big with like these 2-1 buy down programs and offering yeah. all these concessions. Whereas six months ago, they wouldn't give you anything. So yeah. I, I think this is a good time for buyers right now. Yeah. It's a great not, time. They wouldn't give you anything, but you had to give them things like waiving financing contingencies. Yep. That's very risky. That loses your earnest money if you can't close on time, you know, and waiving inspection contingencies. U.S. housing is very old. Um, so, you know, to be suddenly surprised with, oh, I need a new roof. That's that's a hard thing to be surprised by. That, that was a risky moment for buyers. Absolutely. It Absolutely. really was. And I think yeah. it's really great for us to, to consider. Like, that's why I said, let's just think about those that don't own. You know, when you're looking to purchase a property, make sure that you're advocating for yourself get you a, a real estate professional to advocate for you because we even have to shift our mindsets we went from being ran over when you were representing the buyers literally being ran over like oh my god let me just see what else i can throw in plus the kitchen sink so my client can win this home so now we have leverage so 
even though your rates are slightly higher, this just happened to me the other week and I couldn't believe it. But I, you know, was a house on the market for $5.95. My old clients came back to me and I did the numbers, looked at the time on the market. I said, you know what? We're going to offer them $5.35 and ask for $10,000 in sales concessions. We're under contract. We're closing the first week in January with those terms. Do you see how much money they saved? They saved over $50,000 um, in this market. So I think that we have to stop considering and thinking about the interest rates and really let's think about how much money you're going to save. And in a couple of years, they can refinance that interest rate if things soften the way that we predict them to do to be. So I just wanted to kind of share that with you guys, because I think real life stories are going to help you make decisions. And I'm just talking about first time buyers. If you're a second time buyer, I get it. <laughs> I, I can't even say nothing to you that, to tell you to move yeah. up when the interest rate on the newer house is going to cost you triple the amount of what where you are okay. now. So I understand that. But I think when you don't own anything at all, it's still a great time to buy. It will always be a great time to buy. Well, yeah. and those, you know, the, the idea that like for a repeat buyer, they are locked in is how we know that home prices really can't fall very much, you know? because we're not seeing a bunch of inventory come on the market, you know, because repeat buyers, move up buyers are holding, you know, um, absolutely. So let me ask you this. Let's switch, cause we were talking about home buyers. Let's move to the investors because our audience, yes. we're, we're a bunch of investors over here, Skylar. We love to invest. So okay. where do you think are the, the cities that have the greatest opportunities for the mom and pop investor, not these investors, these institutional investors yeah. who got billions of dollars, right? For like yeah. our audience, where can we go in 2023 to probably pick up a good deal? Okay, let's see. Okay, so I'm, um, we already talked about where prices are spinning, right? So I'm going to jump to my data and check out my rents dashboard. I love um, this data. I love it. That's why you go. gotta love Zillow. <laughs> yeah, let's check out where. Let's see, rents are still moving. Gosh, what is up with Miami? Like, really? Miami's on fire. Yes. Wow. Right. Um, you know. Okay. So places like oh, interesting. So the New York. So okay, Miami. You know, we've still <laughs> rents are up. 19% year over year in Miami, still positive quarter over quarter growth. It's incredible. Um, but I'm also seeing at the top of this list places like the New York Metro, um, mm. San Diego, California, Orlando, Florida, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, Salt Lake City, Utah, Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm noticing that these are in lots of different places, not really a uniform picture of saying like, oh it's in the south or oh it's in these places um let me do a bit more near term rent growth so we'll do quarter over quarter instead of year over year um you know and i'm seeing places like raleigh north carolina so this is a place that became suddenly expensive and that's actually probably good intuition when the for sale market became suddenly expensive what do people do instead right so so okay let me let me actually anchor this first so when we first started doing this big massive consumer survey i think it was like six or seven years ago one of the questions we wanted answered was what was the median age of a first-time home buyer right because we can't really observe a first-time home buyer in census data or anything else so okay how old are they you know at the median on average like how old is this typical buyer 
way back when it was 32 years old, then it was 33, then it was 34. Now our most recent survey in 2020, I think it was either 21 or 22, probably 22, I think the 22 one, you know, the median age of first time home buying is now 36 years old. So huh. what does that mean? You know, it, people, you know, from an economist perspective, people don't change, you know, very much over time, you know, not as certainly not that quickly. It ends up being what changes, our constraints change, our options change, the prices change, our incomes change, right? And that ends up driving a lot of our behavior in the spaces. So you still want to live in the same kind of properties that you would want to buy, right? But you're going to have to keep running them. So when we think about, because you just can't access homeownership yet, right? That's being pushed off because of affordability challenges. So you rent for longer in your life. You're renting when you have the small kids. If you're buying at 36 years old, you know, for most of us, you know, I, I had my babies at, you know, around 30, right? So that makes sense to me. I think, you know, most women, I haven't pulled those numbers recently, but I think that's kind of when we generally get that started, you know, so then where is the rent pressure? Raleigh, North Carolina saw insane home price appreciation. Yes, home prices yes. are starting to come down. But as we've already talked about, it's still so much more expensive than when we started the pandemic. So that's where I'm seeing the largest quarter over quarter continued aggressive rent growth in that area right other places like that are indianapolis indiana i'm seeing boston massachusetts mm -hmm. milwaukee wisconsin um, louisville kentucky still on top san diego atlanta georgia i think in a lot of ways you know that's a big mix of places not drawing on a lot of intuition you know in terms of like oh this place rather than that place but so i think within your metro when you think about where will the rent growth be the strongest it's going to mm -hmm. be in the segment where people are kept from the for sale market because of high interest rates, because they still are having the babies, they're still getting married, you know, they're still moving forward in their life. They're just running it now, and yeah. that's where we're going to see continued rent growth. Is is this why you think we're seeing such a influx of institutional money coming into the markets? You know, it used to be a thing um, when when institutional money come in, they wouldn't do build to rent; they would do build to sell. They would flip those homes. Sure. Now you see. You know, J.P. Morgan Chase, they come out, they want to buy a billion dollars worth of single family, build to rent single families, right? You have other, you know, you have Amazon with Bezos and those guys over there um, yeah. acquired. They're buying hundreds of millions of dollars worth of single family rentals, right? Is this why you're seeing more institutional money hitting the marketplace over the past couple of years? Because it's always, they've always invested in real estate. But yeah. I think over the past three years or so, four years. Earners, what's up? Look, Cartier, Rolex, Gucci, Prada, Jordan, Adidas, Bottega, Veneta at eBay. It's real. Or it's getting the fake out. eBay's team of luxury authenticators are making sure you never get faked over again. Watches inspected by watch aficionados, sneakers checked by legit sneakerheads, handbags examined by handbag connoisseurs, and jewelry in the scopes of expert gemologists. These authenticators are leaders in their field with meticulous eyes making sure your piece arrives as authentic as your style and worthy of your collection. As experts, they know the true difference between a real and a fake. Real carries that rare, distinguished feel, the weight of pure platinum, exquisite scent of Togo leather, the tight stitching on a pair of dunks, the brilliance of real diamonds. So rest assured, your Rolex moves like a Rolex should, and that colorway on your Jordan Royals will always be on point. The details inspected, the fakes rejected. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real. 
Visit ebay.com for terms. Yes. We've just seen billions and billions from the institutions, especially when it comes to single family rentals. Do you think that's the reason why? Yes, I think so. I th- and but it's not just that. It you know, it's not just the bare so one, yes, it is partially that because even before the pandemic and what we saw just happen, you know, mm-hmm. we were steadily eroding affordability in for sale homes because we were not keeping up with building. It was Correct. just pre it was like immediately pre-pandemic when new construction finally returned to keep up with like household formation and things like that, right? And then we had the pandemic and that was a big challenge. So we already had this steady, slow, steady march towards like eroding affordability in for sale homes. And then, you know, the rise in interest rates and then the home price growth that we saw over the pandemic, that's now just extra challenging. So it kind of sped up this process. But I think there was already an understanding that supply was limited in real estate in terms of residential. We had massive generations. And boomers weren't giving up the inventory, right? More boomers were aging in place. That's now been reinforced by interest rate lock-in, right? So before we had more boomers aging in place, keeping on to their homes, and we have the millennial generation just as big, another massive generation who then needed the homes at the same time. So yes, there was an understanding that we would continue to see home price pressure on housing. And, you know, that's that's growth in home equity that you know is an asset right that's asset growth but at the same time that that was occurring there was growing signals that stock markets wouldn't deliver the way that they had delivered over the past 10 years and that alternative assets were possibly you know becoming more riskier we had rising corporate debt and other concerns about those kinds of asset classes that i think made more and more big players in assets like private equity money big institutions trying to think about how to diversify across assets and into real estate uh-huh. so all these things are the same things that you know, mom and pop investors are experiencing too. So it's not just the institutional money. You know, there were places over the course of the pandemic that that home prices grew like crazy and there wasn't a lot of like evidence that it was institutional buyers that were active, but institutional buyers are responding to those same things. And then they just do it in a more concentrated way, right? They target certain markets like, um, you know, some markets in the South, you've seen a lot of attention. You've seen, yeah. um, you know, a Atlanta. lot of attention. I mean, Atlanta, for Atlanta instance. Very big you know, one. We just had an article about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they say one in four homes are owned by institutional um, buyers. And, you know, I just was looking at this article with Lenar Homes. Lenar Homes, they're looking to sell 5,000 homes to big landlords. So this article just came out. So when you look at your numbers and we're talking big landlords, so they're coming, they're just trying to dump off probably a thousand at a time or hopefully someone just to sweep up the whole 5,000, right? So these institutional buyers aren't going anywhere. And so when we're looking at the data and looking at the numbers and they're taking these homes for rent, they're getting them to rent and rents are increasing. At what point, when you look at, when you analyze the data, at what point Mm -hmm. when we start seeing that America, this is like this big thing, America is about to be the landlord. Like these institutional buyers are going to end up being America's landlord and home buying will start to be obsolete. 
Yeah. I, you know, so I think these are the reasons why we're seeing, like in California just passed, um, I forget what they call it and I should look it up and I'll follow up with you guys later or whatever else. But, you know, over the past year, they passed a kind of uh, right to buy style law, right? That this home first would have to be offered to someone buying a primary residence as opposed to going, you know, to renting or to an institutional buyer to try and mitigate this. The other thing I think about a lot, you know, over the course of the pandemic, there were a lot of, so I'm, I also teach real estate evolution and disruption at University of Washington, just one quarter a year, you know, but it's a really fun, despite like I have to grade and it takes a lot of time. It's really fun. And, you know, it's not just fun to connect to students, but it makes me think, you know, in a bigger way about like what's happening in real estate and how things are changing. And what we saw over the course of the pandemic was there were these business models that people that were kind of relied on holding a home for a short period of time. Like iBuyers was the classic that then, you know, Zillow stopped that a year ago. Redfin stopped that much for recently. You know, lots of people shut it down. But remember the power buyers or not just remember, but, you know, um, you know, ribbon, uh, fly homes, you know, these kinds of uh, business models that were trying to make a mortgaged buyer show up like a cash buyer yes. in order to you know be on an equal playing field. And sometimes I, I think about that business model and I watch that it's struggling and it struggles a lot over the course of this moment when things are really slowing down, right? Because it's very risky to kind of buy on behalf of someone when mortgage rates are going like this and they won't be able to qualify, you know, at the other end and, you know, and what are home prices doing and they decline. And so that's a very risky business model to manage at a time where things are very, very volatile. But I sit here and I think about that and I'm like, gosh, like what are the other ways that we're going to help a mortgaged buyer? Someone like not, most of us cannot, <laughs> so many of us cannot buy these homes in cash, right? So like, how do you compete against big money in this space? You know, I hope for, I mean, the return of these sorts of solutions or, or, you know, really tooling the mortgage process you know, better supporting loan officers with tools on their end and then the consumer on tools on their end so that we can close on time so that the seller is not worried about, you know, accepting an offer from someone with a small down payment because the mortgage process is fixed. You know, it's, yeah. we're not going to risk not closing on time. I mean, that's the things that Zillow's thinking about, you know, when we tool our mortgage process. And I think a lot of other people are thinking about, like, what are the things that you do to make it so the quintessential American can access the quintessential American asset. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel, I feel it. Um, I'm with you on that. I think the mortgage you, process is too strenuous. The frustration, I can feel it because we're all frustrated about it because we see it yeah. happening in live time. And it's almost like we can't do anything about it. We can come up with as many solutions as we want to. Um, yeah. I see so many laws that are looking to be passed in so many cities. So I know you guys are watching from watching it from yeah. your standpoint on Zillow. So it's interesting to watch. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this question, right? Um, what is your outlook for 2023 housing market? Where do yeah. you see us going? Yeah, we, you know, our formal forecasts, you know, when we look at like the baseline scenario, and that's actually, I think, important to consider because when we do forecasts, we actually run a lot of different scenarios for what the world will look like um, in terms of, you know, what are the different paths that mortgage rates can take, you know, all sorts of things. So 
our baseline scenario, what does that look like? That looks like mortgage rates coming down below six, you know, into 2000, you know, towards the later half of 2023. Um, that looks like uh, unemployment rates coming up a little bit, but not too high, you know, not not above four and a half percent. So it is the soft landing scenario, knock on wood, you know, I think we're growing in our confidence that that could be happening. In that kind of scenario, home prices do fall, you know, about half a percentage point over 2023, but half a percentage point after what we just experienced is ultimately not very much, you know, on, you know, that national scale. And again, the forecasts are different from metro to metro, but on a national scale, home prices fall a little bit. Sales continue, you know, to decline around three percent further uh, over the course, you know, 2023 relative to 2022. But remember, the early part of 2022 still had big sales for sure. So that decline is still from a bit of a high that that comes down 13 percent. But we'll still feel that, you know, that's a pullback. But something that's interesting about, you know, we're modeling this forecast is that what we're balancing is the signals that we get from momentum. So for example, what I mean by that is, you know, November was a big pullback month because rates went above 7%. So that yes. momentum as it flows through means more pessimistic about home prices, right? But we have to balance that and try and figure out how to model that with the fact that after that, mortgage rates came back down, you know, to 63 so what it looks like when you look at it is it's like our forecast got more pessimistic over the first half of 2023, but there's a faster turnaround now towards the last half, if that makes intuitive sense. You know, it's it does. Like, it does. And it got harder and then it looks like it might get better. So we're balancing that. So I see home prices appreciating two to seven percent nationally. Oh, really? next year just depending on the market obviously like uh atlanta and miami is just they'll probably be well over 10 15 percent still <laughs> but i think saying nationally will be two to seven percent on average mm -hmm. with home prices in 2023 yeah. what do you think on average home prices in 2023 i mean the down like appreciation appreciation down half so you're talking Nationally. about that's about two to seven percent, depending on the market, then, because it's like ten percent now. So you think it'll be half yes. of that? Oh, I meant like over the full court, like starting January to end December, half a percent okay. down. Oh, you mean okay. like to end 2020? To, to, to end, end 2023. 2022? Oh, 2023. 2023. Yeah. End 2023. I think that year is going to have half percentage point down because I think we're going to a little bit of that softening from the recession-esque risk as well, right? Where more people are going to start feeling, you know, I think it's going to be a soft landing. It's not going to be a violent recession or anything like that. But I think people still start to worry a bit about, you know, their employment prospects moving forward and things like that. Right. And they're less willing to take on a big financial decision. So yeah, our forecasts do have home prices over 2023 coming down a little bit. So what about those that are looking to invest, right? And I was I was reading an article and basically it said, if you're looking to flip houses right now, 
this may not be the best time to buy the asset because by the time you put it on the market, let's just say right. nine days, and that's just like a good, like you have an amazing contractor, everything is on time, your flip is on the market in 90 days, you're going, right. you're putting it on the market in a softening market. And which right. in every market, we're seeing some shifts. So if someone is flipping property right now and they were ready to pull the trigger, what advice would you give them? In my opinion, I'm telling everyone, let's just wait and see, wait till February. If you if you if you're, if you're flipping, flipping home, so that way we can see. Flip it, yeah, not a good not a good time to flip. Yeah, I yeah. think if you're you're investing to stay, you know, the lack of competition, more time to make that decision, not having to give away the farm about it, like go for it. If you're flipping, yeah, I would also say now is not the flippers market, um, for sure. Mm. Good to know. Agre agreed. I think the market is too volatile, and. Yeah. With these, with the lack of inventory, new inventory hitting the market, is I just think is probably not the right time for it. Yeah. Buy and hold all day long, because yeah. rent yes. is rent is up and stuck. <laughs> so buy yeah. and hold all day long. Follow what the big boys are doing, and you know, kind of call it a day. Yeah. I guess but, some. So some good news for you know. You mentioned you have a great contractor. Like that, I think is the challenge. Like how do you get the contractors? time and attention without having a really big job, right? I mean, you got to have a very sexy job for the contractor to get attention because everyone is just so busy. But some silver linings, um, freight costs are coming down and I watch lumber futures a lot and lumber futures are looking a lot better. So at least like your cost of materials, maybe six fronts from now are going to be nothing like they were i mean that was crazy right so do Lumber you think price. materials is going back to pre-pandemic in six months i i yeah, knock on wood you know but yeah yeah lumber futures we the, the future usually takes a while to hit the board price right mm. um that you would actually mm. get like in home depot so we're seeing the futures come down aggressively they're near where they were 2019 you know late 2019 so I think you could material prices could could be much more moderated in six months. Oh yeah, I love it. I That's love good it. to know, especially for for the for us developers. <laughs> guys, whenever people make me forecast things, I was like, oh. No, I love it. Because it has been so crazy. I mean, this has been such a volatile experience. This is it's been wild. It's been wild. Oh, I no, agree. this this is the, this has definitely been the wild wild west. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Roller coaster, right? It is. We said earlier. It's interesting definitely. to watch. It's definitely interesting yeah. to watch and see. I was thinking, you know, if you have anything that you want to share, like what advice and any numbers, any stats that you want to tell our audience. Um, we have investors, we have buyers, we have people that want to sell. And you are an economist. You have, you are the expert. You've been monitoring this market. You've been through the recession. So, what advice would you give them about real estate in general? Yeah, real estate in general. I think over the long run here, like real estate has good legs. I like where you say follow the big boys. I mean, I think there's a reason why they're going that way, right? It is about kind of the long run when you're thinking about real estate. Um, and I think, you know, we'll turn around. The fundamentals are just ultimately strong, right? And, you know, this moment that we're in, in terms of investing, in terms about feeling confident, you know, economically, no matter what you're thinking about, like real estate or stocks or whatever else, this is a weird 
moment, you know, in the sense of really good news about the job market ends up being bad news about what the Fed is going to do, you know, and might push interest rates higher. And then the flip side is true, right? As soon as we see signals that the heat is coming off of the labor market and job growth is moving slower, you know, we end up getting an interest rate break. So the world that we're moving into is one, you know, where, yeah, things are much more uncertain, you know, but, you know, and maybe that means you got to seek out the expert advice, you know, you got to crunch your own numbers about the situation that you're in and what you're planning for and, you know, what you're looking at. Um, but it's not like so wildly changed from where we were before the pandemic, right? This is not, I think when you move forward, the game right now is to make a resilient decision, you know, that might work and, you know, you're going to be comfortable in many different futures that move forward if you're very cautious, you know? Um, but I think in terms of the long run, if you're diversifying, you know, where you're putting your money in terms of your, you know, an investor where, you know, if you, as long as you have, you know, money in different baskets, um, I think, you know, you're ultimately doing the right thing. Keep investing. I don't think this is like a hold gold moment, you know, or anything so dire. Um, we'll come out of this. I think it'll be okay. 1000% agreed. 1000% agreed. Well, Dr. Skylar Olson, We've had you on here for longer than an hour. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to abuse our time because I know right. we could con, con talk well, about this all day that. long. But um, <laughs> we we want to thank you for your time today. Um, you know you're a busy woman, and this has been a real busy week, uh, with reports and data. Um, so thank you for lending your time, especially you know eight, seven, eight p.m. at night. Um, we really appreciate you for coming on today. Thank you so much for all your yeah. information. We'd this love to have you back. Fun. Yes, yeah, I would love to have her back. Really I love fun. the data. This, you know, this we stuff. like numbers. You was given the numbers. numbers yeah. it, Me it too. Yeah, hashtag data want to be free. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> What's the hashtag? Say that again. <laughs> hashtag data want to be free. You know, yes. that's kind of the ethos <laughs> that we have over here. We also have a core value called turn on the lights, you know, and I always like to think I'm like lady turn on the lights, you know, so. Yes. Turn on the lights. <laughs> yeah. Turn them on. I love yeah. it. Thank you for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. This was um, yeah. a great conversation, Kiana. Great conversation. Absolutely. Great we got a lot of information um, yeah, good. Good, good. out of this today. Um, I think the audience, we had over like 1,200, 1,300 people watching this live right now. Make sure y'all all like, comment, share, subscribe. Throw some gems in the comment. Um, give a big, big shout out to Dr. Skylar Olson, who is the chief economist at Zillow. And shout out to all our friends at Zillow. We appreciate you guys, as always. Ty, Christina, um, all you guys over there at Zillow. Shout yes. out to you. We love you guys. Yeah, shout out to Zillow for providing the data and um, being an incredible um, partners and sponsors. Um, these are some great episodes. I know. And drop some more gems in the chat. I know that, you know, we just love to hear the data because that helps everyone make informed decisions about where they want to lead to. So our investors, our first time buyers, our sellers, you know, our developers, everyone has been able to benefit from tonight's episode. So I'm excited about this. I really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. Oh, Camille, shout out to you from Zillow, too. I can't forget about you. 
Um, shout out to you, Camille, over there at Zillow. So shout out to Zillow. I mean, this was great, man. This is the first time we had a real economist. Not yes. like these Twitter economists and these comment <laughs> economists that be all in the comments and your DMs. Not you fake-ass economists, right? This like is a, a real... real the real thing right here. And she gave right. a lot of information. And it just goes to show you, we're not... What we be telling y'all, we're right on the money. I hate to say it, but I was going to say that. <laughs> like We're right I, on the money. I, I was thinking, we, we've been saying this. We, we kind of just needed to have a little backup. I said Atlanta was up and it's stuck. And it is. It still um, is. It still is. I said that. And we, we talked about, you know, the market softening. We've talked about all of it. It doesn't... You know, even giving solid advice to people that may want to flip houses or even build houses, like, wait a moment. You know, that just that's just giving solid information and giving you guys the data that you need to make informed decisions. So I'm extremely happy about how this episode went. Nah, this was a good episode. The comments so far has been super positive. Everybody throw some gems in the comments. Yes. If you got a lot of value, someone said they felt like they got their PhD just while, while watching tonight's episode. She, um, she was she was dropping gems. You might need to go back and rewind this and watch it yes. over again because there was a lot of information. And honestly, I just looked at my time. I didn't even realize we had her on for over an hour. Well, this was supposed to be a 20-minute so conversation. Well. <laughs> it was flowing so well, and I think that she was excited to share just from an analytical standpoint. And it's always good to share this good data because I mean, I, I mean, real estate can get a little bit, you know, and I talk about real estate all the time, but it can get a little unexciting, but it has been exciting for the last month or two because it's so volatile. It's so, uh, it's so sensitive. Every day, the numbers are changing. Every time you look at it, the rates are up, the rates are down. And it's just one of those markets to watch. So I'm grateful that she, you know, gave us her time and her knowledge. Nah, this was incredible, man. Again, shout out to Zillow. Um, we appreciate the partnership. And let's keep this going in 2023. We need to get more SMEs, subject market expertise from Zillow and other places on the show. Because we want to talk to the professionals. Yes. We want real insight. People who got the data. You know, they crunch numbers all day long. This is what they do for a living. So it's always good and refreshing because you guys think we're biased because we're licensed professionals. Now, look, what are you going to say about a real economist? Right? Exactly. She, Same she thing that we were saying. I think we, I, I really feel like we saved somebody tonight. Somebody that was looking to flip a house or someone looking to invest in building. I feel like we saved someone from making a decision right now and made them decide, you know what, let me just wait. Let me just wait. And I feel like that's what we're here for. That is the reason for the Rants and Gems show, you know, to really put that data out there and to help our people navigate this real estate world, but make smart and informed decisions that are going to lead to wealth generating. 100% facts. Any any parting words? Any final words tonight, Kiana? I wasn't going to say my parting words and my final words are the numbers never lie. People lie. Numbers don't. And uh, we have to follow the data and make informed decisions. Look, I don't, I'm never going to say nothing on top of that because you said it all. Uh, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. The numbers are in. Feds raise rates another 50 basis points. Expect another three quarters of a point to be raised in 2023. Inflation went down from 7.7% 7 .7 to 71 
you can expect that inflation is going to continue to go down and interest rates, mortgage rates are around six and a quarter percent on the 30 year fix today. You can expect that to go down over the next couple of days or weeks as well. So brace yourself. Winter is here. And if you are in the market to purchase a home, my advice for you, whether you're investing or buying, you should go out, be smart and go out there and start making some offers because there are opportunities in the marketplace that in six to eight months might not be around if inflation does get to that 2%, 3% number, because that means rates will probably go to 4%, 4 percent 5%, 5%. And yes, that means and there's going to be an onslaught of buyers back in the market again, <laughs> buying these homes, and it's going to be back to what I'm trying to tell y'all right now. It can, like, brace yourself. So go out there in the marketplace. Be smart when you're buying, but... Go out there, make your offers, and go get you some property because black and brown people, we can't afford to sit on the sideline and wait for something that we don't know that's going to happen. I agree. That's my final words. And go get the I books. Go, go get Hold the on. Book. Let me get the books. Hold the on. The least you can do is get the books. <laughs> MJ, get the books going while we wait for let, our people. Get let me books. get the books. Hold on. <laughs> Clear the clothes. And, and, and this Program is my, my autograph copy, too. Okay? Of course. This is my this is my autograph copy of Clear the Clothes, okay? And then go get uh house economics. House economics. Right? <laughs> go get the books. Links will be in the description. Don't play yourself. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. That's all we got. Uh, oh, make sure you guys go to audio. Wherever you listen to podcasts on audio, download it, like it, leave a review. If you're on Apple, five star it leave a review we love you guys over a million downloads on rants and gems on audio let's get to two million so grateful. and we so appreciate great. the love we're very grateful oh and we're gonna have a rants and gems live experience we're gonna bring oh, that back oh yeah me, so matt reached out to me if you you guys follow my page you know i had to put some different uh marketing on the rant <laughs> <laughs> yeah you stupid my, i got my own people so that way I can, you know, it flows well. And um, he was like, this looks like a, a flyer for an event. I said, okay, let's talk about it. You know, and we started out really strong. We When we came out with Rants and Gems, we had the live experience. We had the audience, the food, the drinks, the, you know, it was such the, the a- The changing of outfits. I was changing, I changed three outfits and, and four or five outfits. For I just changed my sneakers, y'all. It was such a great time. And I think that when we realized, okay, let's focus on the information, that's great. But now we want to get back to the connection and connecting with people and put together an amazing conference where we have people that can impact your lives and talk to you about the importance of investing in real estate. So it's coming, it's coming, it's coming in 2023. We're in the planning um, stages of it. Shout out to people that have been, if you've ever been to the Ransom Gym experience, drop a gym in the chat. You know how amazing these experiences are. And just think next level. Just think next level. Yeah, I think we should do this in the January. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. You, we, we, first you said spring, now in the January. Yeah, fuck wow. spring. Let's do it in the January. <laughs> <laughs> let's end the let's end let's end the month of January with the Rants and Gems experience in Wakanda, aka aka Atlanta. Let's get some, let's get the caterers, let's get the wine, let's get. I'm gonna get suited and booted. I'm gonna change three times into three different suits and get suited and booted. I ain't gonna oh. I ain't gonna put on no sneakers for you. I'm gonna put on some suited and booted. 
Oh, okay. Now you got me excited. Now I'm excited. Right? <laughs> and let's get a studio audience. Let's get some dope-ass guests. And let's have a Rants and Gems live experience. Like, let's do it, y'all. End let's of January. All right. So we're going to work on the dates. Thank you guys for tuning in to our episode. This has been a great episode tonight. I'm going to let Matt kick it off for us. Look, cleartheclothesbook.com to get Kiana's book mgbookstore.com to get my books and this is matt garland nmls number 58700 better known as mg the mortgage guy and i'm kiana watson i am the broker extraordinaire license number 317576 and thank you guys for tuning in to another incredible episode of the rants and gems show peace Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.